are listening to the next report with your hosts Thomas Holbrook, the second, and Stephen Kelly. And welcome to episode eleven of Witch Hunters Anonymous. No, no, <laughs> the next report Unix and Overlook pop culture. I'm Thomas Holbrook, the second, and I'm Stephen Kelly. Uh, last week we went through a topic that is just one of those things where you want to pull your hair out bang your head against the wall. Well, th- this one will just cause your hair to retreat from your head out of sheer insanity sanity of it all, because no matter whether it's a major, small crime, major tragedy, at some point somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and, and claim that something happened to them that did not. And then witch hunts um, kind of ensue afterwards. Last week we talked about, you know, sexual abuse of children and how it happens sometimes in the most unlikely of places or what you would think was unlikely and turns out, well, not so much. There are times where media fails. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, you'll have situations where the media just doesn't report on certain things. You know, you'll have... This case that you know you people can see it a mile away, and you can say, "Wow, this this is rough." You know, people should know about this, but no one says anything. Well, then you have the exact opposite. You have these these situations that could have been kind of mellow, or would have just completely disappeared because of the the silliness of the whole thing. But then you get someone like Geraldo or a talk show host, or Oprah, or someone that, you know, makes this their focal point for a week, and boom, you have hysteria going out of nowhere. Like, similar to things like UFOs, ghosts, and things like that. And I, I read up on that stuff on occasion. It's, oh, but, yeah. there, but, you know, there's, like, cottage industries that pop up. Well, it's like, I, I, I believe in ghosts. I'm not even going to, you know, hide it. I'm a skeptic for the most part, but I believe in paranormal. But you can tell when you get bogus stuff. You'll have, you know, some really interesting information, then all of a sudden you have the person that writes a memoir about how I had sex with Abraham Lincoln's ghost. You're like, thanks, thanks, lady. You're awesome. Oh. <laughs> Same thing with UFOs, you know, all those. You'll watch, you know, ancient aliens or UFO hunters, and you can just tell sometimes that you're like, that guy is crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um... So you, you have some kind of examples of uh, some hysteria, daycare, sexual abuse, hysteria. Well, yeah, basically, like, what I wanted to, to point out is, you know, we talked, when we talked last week, we basically made a made a plea for stuff not to get brushed under the rug, and, you know, but there there's a, a duality to it. There's, there's... If you go too crazy with certain things, um, you end up with situations like this. And we're, we're talking specifically about witch hunts because it's just like witch hunts. You know, if you recall back to the Salem witch trials and other similar cases, what would usually happen is someone would try to discredit someone that they, you know, did not like or something. And they would say, well, I saw... Goody Johnson flying through the air and she had six cats with her and I think I saw her with Satan. Which, you know, someone says that nowadays, you're like, what? You know? But back then, they they would take it seriously. 
and you had trials, you had, you know, people getting killed, all this other stuff. And, you know, they had, they, they even had witch hunts up to World War II. You know, I didn't know about that, but the last actual, like, Western, I mean, they still have them now in, like, countries like, you know, like Papua New Guinea and stuff. But over here, you know, in England, I think in Scotland, um, I don't have the information in front of me. There was actually a witch trial in 1944, I think. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it shows that, you know, we might look back on the past and go, oh, those simpletons, they didn't know anything. We're the smartest people alive. And then, you know, <laughs> stuff like this happens all the time. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about today is modern-day witch hunts. And it all comes from, you know, these cases of child sexual abuse because what would happen, you know, no one wants their wants children to get hurt. But sometimes this uh, kind of justice, you know, that people are going for turns wrong and an issue that might be vengeance or something like that against another person becomes this big media spectacle and does no good for anyone. And it honestly, I think this, to a degree leads to our rape denial culture that we were talking about last week because if cases like this get all this attention and they turn out to be completely bogus, who's to say that other cases aren't bogus? And that's the issue at hand. You brought up the McMartin preschool trial in 1983. Um, Judy Johnson making several accusations, including that people at daycare had sexual encounters with animals, that Peggy drilled a child under the arms, and Ray flew in the air. Yeah, um, yeah. This this lady was basically she she was the one that that started this whole thing. She she had a child that was in this daycare or this uh, preschool and started you know flipping out about all these accusations. And you know seriously, when you come out and say that one of the teachers flew in the air, that should be a red flag right there. I don't care. And we're gonna I'll come out. You know I don't want to harp on religion or anything because i am spiritual i'm not one of the 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 limp-wristed new age people that's like oh i'm I'm not religious i'm spiritual i just don't adhere to fundamentalist religion and there's people that believe that you know people have magical powers and they can fly and stuff and that's ridiculous like (laughs) so i have an open mind but when i see something like that it's wow really you know um Highly suggestive questioning, um, media everywhere making it a spectacle, and there were apparently over you know about a hundred other preschools across the country, and then the truth comes out. Well, yeah, what happened was you know they went in and questioned these these kids, and their line of questioning you can you can this happens a lot because if you say if I put a microphone in front of someone and say what happened, you know they're gonna say you know, what are you talking about? But if I put a microphone in front of you and say, have you seen any weird things over here lately? Or has, you know, has your teacher been acting strange? Or, you know, did, did someone, you know, that's leading questions. That's trying, you know, and let's face it. I'm not saying little kids are untrustworthy, but little kids don't exactly have the, 100% 100% of a grasp on reality and fantasy when they're yet that young, especially when they're four years old. So if you start asking them questions like, did you see Ray fly? Yeah! And that's what happened. They had all these these tapes that they had recorded, and it was it all backed up. It all seemed to back up or make it worse, you know, these things. 
and the spread. You know, the media went nuts with this. It was all over the news, and all of a sudden, mysteriously, you know, right afterwards, one hundred other preschools, you know, also had were part of this giant, you know, oh. obviously underground sex ring where people were flying and having sex with animals and and what had actually started to happen is this started to tie in with another thing we're going to talk about later but then the satanism the ritual satanic abuse accusations started flying around and it just spiraled out of nowhere i mean it went crazy um it turned out that Judy Johnson actually had schizophrenia. This case lasted seven years, cost over $15 million, and there was no convictions that came out of it. So uh, a few attorneys may have actually uh, been happy with the results of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're probably set for life after something like that. <laughs> you know? uh, but, but, and just to be clear, the in terms of satan, quote-unquote satanic ritual abuse. This is... There are some cases where some really weird stuff happens, but this is not to be confused with um, the group that Anton LaVey started. LaVey started his organization to basically you know, you know, poke the Catholic Church in the eyes. It's... The the Black Mass was an entire parody of a Catholic mass. Well, people don't realize that Satan, Levian Satanism, is not this kind of fabricated. You know, there's people worshiping Satan thing. It's tongue in cheek. They're atheists that basically want to do everything that the church stands for, except the opposite. So you have people that are atheists. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the devil. Devil. They worship this idea of, like, hedonism and, like, personal, you know, ideals and stuff. That's the problem, is people, and granted, LaVey, when he made that, he made a conscious decision to call it what he did, but a lot of times when you see, you know, if you're trying to, if you're having trouble with your faith, and you see that there's this group outwardly calling themselves Satanists, and you go, oh my god, they're Satanists, then you see on the news... They're satanic cults. You put two and two together, and this is a big widespread problem. The problem is, is it isn't. There, uh, there's an episode of King of the Hill that kind of makes fun of this, where Bobby Hill joins a, a satanic group, and you know, Hank Hill's freaking out about it when he finds out what's going on and what these guys are, nerds that sit around and like do what they think are little rituals that they bought at like a bookstore, and they wear you know robes and. Hank realizes pretty quick that these guys are not, you know, and I'm not dogging on Satanism, but that's kind of the difference, you know. Like, in other words, it's relatively harmless, um, and a lot, you know, there, you, know, you hear stories about witchcraft, Satanism, paganism being the same thing, but there are different groups that do kind of different things, and you know, you know, while there are been cults that have done some bad things that get overshadowed by all these falsehoods. Um, you mentioned Faces of Death, the movie. Yeah, like there's a lot of people that will uh, talk about movies like that. Not necessarily just Faces of Death, but for, for people that don't know, that's a documentary with quotation marks from the 70s that purports to show a bunch, of, and, and it's done very like scholarly and everything. And it, purpo- it, it supposedly shows 
a bunch of people dying caught on film. And it's a messed up movie. Because if you go into the movie, like I saw it when I was younger, there's some scenes in there that are screwed up. Because in, in your head, if you're thinking, this is real, it's it's like a snuff film, you know. And it, it, it was a big, you know, craze that people would go see this movie and they'd get a t-shirt saying, I made it all the way through the movie and stuff like that. <laughs> there's only like maybe 10% of that movie that's real. And most of it is, you know, they, have, they unfortunately have a scene of like a lady that jumping out of the building. They have a, a, a presidential assassination they show in there. The rest of that movie is fake. And, like, people will sit there and, you know, argue about it, but, like, the dead giveaway on how fake it is is that all the actors that are in that movie from the first scene to the very end are in this last scene of the movie where it's supposedly someone infiltrated a camera into a satanic cult and they're eating someone. And it's funny because while they're eating someone... Oh, that sheriff that got eaten by an alligator, he's in the satanic cult. Oh, look, that's the guy that uh, was part of that rich club, you know. They were eating a monkey and blah, blah, blah. And you realize this isn't a documentary. This is a like some kind of art school guys that got together and made a documentary. The problem is, is that scene at the end with the satanic cult tearing apart someone and stuff, people see that and they're like, oh, my God, it's real. <laughs> And stuff like that, you know, movies like The Exorcist and all these other, The Omen, like the 70s just breeded this where everyone thought that, you know, they were under assault by this, you know, hidden in the shadows cult that honestly was a creation of Hollywood, basically. And and it kind of goes into certain falsehoods, you know, it, it perpetuates certain falsehoods such as organized satanic cults are active throughout the United States. They have regular secret gatherings at night. Um, ver- various atrocities, such as human sacrifice of babies, children, adolescents, adults, cannibalism, animal sacrifice. Every day they do this. Marriages to <laughs> Satan and high priests of cults. Sexual and physical torture of all kinds of people of all ages. And there, there's even, you know, the whole... Adding to the whole plausible deniability, but in reverse being drugged or brainwashed so that you don't remember what happens uh, thereafter. Convenient. And cult members program their, quote-unquote, program their children pass it down to future generations. And and, and, th- and this is, like, one of the big, big problems that, you know, you have to contend with right now if you're looking at stuff like this, because there is a fine line between stuff that's like, oh my goodness, this is happening, this person was so traumatized they're blocking out, and well, they are obviously making this up and are full of it. So there's that fine line, and like you said, there are some cases where you can tell this is, okay, they're they're full of it. Well, like one of the first ones, there was this lady named Doreen Irvine, uh, 1973, she came out and said that she had escaped from a satanic cult and that, um, you know, she she gained prominence in the fundamental born-again Christian circuit because she would go around talking about this and how, you know, she through her speeches you'd find out that she had this overdone Dickensian childhood where she lived in a shack and her parents beat her constantly and she was forced to work, you know, in a coal mine, and I don't, I'm just making that part up. But it was, you know, all of her twist, basically. 
which I'm not, you know, that's probably true, unfortunately, but it was the reasoning behind her going through that led to the fact that she became a prostitute. And I believe that would have been the fifties or so when this happened and somehow or another, she got um, indoctrinated into a cult. Um, she had all these crate these claims, but she, the, the weird thing is, is she never actually elaborated on what their rituals were or anything. She just basically would say Satanists, you know, and she said that somehow or another, she became the queen of all Satanists and actually married Satan. And, uh, you know, it went far enough to where her work basically laid the groundwork of this witch hunt because people started to come out of the woodwork. Um, other women saying that, and they would sometimes like, and we're talking in the eighties, they would sometimes lift entire portions of her story verbatim and copy them and write new books and do speaking circuits and stuff with the same story. And it was just kind of, you know, messed up that, because obviously, Irvine had some problems. She most likely had suffered some some kind of medical problems, mental illness or something, and she might have had, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, a bad childhood to where this went out. But a lot of the things are, or a lot of the, the problem is, is a lot of her story didn't add up because it changed constantly, and she would never talk. People would ask her like, "Well, what's what's the religious book they use?" And she would be like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about that." Um, um, Michelle remembers, um, mentioned that a little bit. What, this was put out in 1980. Well, yeah, that was a book. Uh, there was this, this psychologist, uh, named Lawrence Prazder, or Prazder, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. And through doing re- regressive therapy and, you know, trying to find repressed memories, he found this girl named Michelle Smith that supposedly remembered... All the all these problems that she had when she was a young child, her parents were, you know, devout Satanists, and they were part of this huge organization in their neighborhood. They would every night, you know, kill babies and bring her down and rape her, and took her out of school. Supposedly, like the the climax of the book is her recounting how she was part of an eighty one day ritual that you know was just all the debauchery that you can imagine. And the book's basically like a huge uh, like exploitation type thing. It's like it, it, the, the book just builds and builds to the more ridiculous levels. And, well, what ended up happening is uh, Prasder ended up marrying Michelle Smith. And it, it almost makes me wonder if... The thing is, is there was a lot of... Uh, contradictory information. People did research on this because it was shocking, you know, to say the least, you know, talk shows and stuff had her on and it was terrifying that this might've happened, but they looked into it like her school records, uh, you know, had she been part of an 81 day ritual where no one slept, which to to be honest is humanly impossible. She would have been out of school, but they looked and there was no record of her missing that much school. There was, you know, no records of all the, you know, there was stuff supposedly of people getting limbs cut off. There was no records of people going to the doctor. There was, you know, the missing babies never were reported. And a lot of this got chalked up to, well, they're all part of the cult, so they don't report that stuff. And that's really convenient, but there comes a point where skepticism takes over. And 
a lot of her stuff too was seemingly inspired by those pop culture movies I was talking about, like Exorcist and stuff like that. And it just kind of it caused what was already kind of boiling a little bit of being, you know, he had these people going around doing these talks, and all of a sudden this this book comes out and gets all this like huge press, and it did not help things at all. <laughs> and there is, um, and sometimes you have these people who create these, you know, witch hunts and everything else and wind up causing people like Randy Weaver to lose family members because federal officials decide that they're going to panic. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, there's John Todd. You remember, who remembers growing up during the era where they said, somebody said rock music is controlled by Satan? Oh, I mean, they still do that. It's it's crazy. It's either Satan or it's kind of turned into the Illuminati. But the fun thing is, is this guy is actually who came up with that. <laughs> um, he jumped. This guy jumped from religion to religion, Pentecostal preacher, druid, then a quote-unquote Jesus-only adherent, and and there was even stories of a quote-unquote alter ego of being from uh, Satanist royalty, and it's just like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he supposedly, he uh, at one point had revealed that he was, like, you know, even though he, he was John Todd, he all of a sudden said that, you know, well, you can't find records of this because my real name was Collins, and I had, you know, this, I was part of Satanic royalty, and you can't find records on me. Which, well... <laughs> he actually has more than one pseudonym. Like, if you look him up on Wikipedia, he had a bunch of different aliases that he went by, and we'll come to the reason why a little bit later. But, you know, you know, wild stories, including he helped JFK fake his own death, uh, Dark Shadows being based upon him, he created Christian Rock. He supposedly created Christian rock to infiltrate the, the church that way. It could also be run by Satanists. The cast of Star Wars was a gay cult, which which is kind of <laughs> kind of funny considering that um, um, I believe that a lot of people who worked on like episode four, which was the first one that was published, you know, a lot of people who you know, help with that were actually Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> so, hence why Mormons absolutely loved Star Wars. I, I, I kind of noticed a pattern of that. <laughs> so, I'm like, epilepsy is caused by Satan. D&D is actual witchcraft. He, he, you know, oh, he's even a Vietnam vet, but uh, records show he quit in basic training. Not just a Vietnam vet, he was a special forces team specifically set up by the government to create satanic churches overseas. There's no records of this group, obviously, because, you know, it's that secret. The D&D &D thing is probably the, the most notorious thing that this guy did because he, uh, he actually became friends with Jack Chick. And if anyone knows about Jack Chick, they'll, they'll know that if you go to a bowling alley or something most nights, You'll have people that are usually um, very, very fundamentalist Christian will hand you these little booklets that have, like, cartoons that, you know, there's ones that, 
you know, say that you should, like, attack Muslims, and there's ones that say the Catholic Church is corrupt and evil, and there's ones that say, you know, rock music is run by the devil. And you, you see the pattern here. Jack Chick was friends with John Todd and actually got a lot of his ideas from him. You know, Jack Chick, he created these booklets in the 50s to give to uneducated prisoners so that they might reform their ways. And unfortunately, he kind of bought in with this guy and went wacko a little bit. And the D&D one's hilarious because if you've ever played D&D, here's what D&D is like. Okay, get a bunch of nerds in a room with a bunch of books, charts, and pieces of paper with characters that they have created... And then you sit around, roll dice, and tell a story together. That is all you do. It is literally the same as playing a video game. You just don't have vis- visual reference at all. There might be some Cheetos involved, but that's the, the, the only kind of like drugs you might have in there. You know, there's, there, there's people that take D&D kind of crazy and like try to... There's a group called LARPing where, you know, sometimes some of the extreme versions of that might take it a little too far and like act out stuff. But uh, Jack Chick, in his infamous uh, D&D tract, um, implied that at level 8 of De- Dungeons & Dragons, basically proving that anyone that didn't, he didn't know what he was talking about, because that's really vague and has nothing to do with it, you get taken aside by the Dungeon Master, who is an ordained satanic priest, and they say, you've reached level 8. Do you want to take it to the next level? And you say, yeah, well, that's when you get indoctrinated into the real D&D, which is, you know, a satanic church. And the book has this girl that her character dies in the game, so she kills herself and all this other garbage. Uh. This, this, this tract eventually, this, this started a hysteria. I remember when I started playing D&D, my mom actually set me aside and was like, now make sure you don't get into that crazy stuff. Because throughout the 80s, this was a big thing. You know, one of Tom Hanks' first movies was a movie called Mazes and Monsters inspired by this very thing where everyone thought that D&D was crazy and, you know. Yeah. D&D is no different than Monopoly. Imagine Monopoly if you had characters, and that's what it is. And and the interesting thing is, um, John Todd um, accused a lot of Christians of being Satanists because he was accused of child molestation himself, which is kind of ironic. Um, And he people still believe he was telling the truth, despite the fact that he spent his final years in prison. And and the thing is, if somebody has enough influence, and I've, and I've, you know, been nearly drawn into these sorts of things in the past myself, going from one thing to another, and that's what happens when you kind of um, are looking for direction in life, but I digress. But people get caught in the crossfire. You know, you look into the Ruby Ridge Massacre. Um, Randy Weaver's family, uh, they were, they got caught in the crossfire and all that stuff because federal officials panicked. And no doubt some were egotistical, just like in terms of Waco, Texas, and, and it just turns into a giant mess afterwards. Yeah, because the Weavers were friends with Todd, and a lot of people think that he was probably the catalyst for them. Because the Weavers, uh, 
freaked out because they felt that the world was evil and that they needed to escape society. So they packed up and wandered around and finally found a house in uh, rural uh, Idaho, wasn't it? I believe so. And Todd had talking to them or talked to them so much about how everything was run by Satanists and how the government was all Satanists and the Christian churches were all Satanists and all this other stuff that they were so paranoid that they went out there and hid. And you know, the the that they got in trouble because it was kinda like with Waco, they thought they were a suicide cult and unfortunately came in with the ATF and stuff and took them down. And it's just an unfortunate Thing that could have been avoided, and it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to say that they wouldn't have done something like that had they not met John Todd, but his scaremongering led to it by quite a bit. And the thing is, is with him jumping identities, and the thing that you can kind of gather is he jumped identities and stuff so much because everywhere he went, like he ran a pagan bookstore, like people found out his real past eventually. He, he ran a pagan bookstore at one point. He, there were allegations that he had raped a 16-year-old girl. And then he skipped town and all of a sudden had was going by that other name, joined a, uh, joined the Pentecostal church, and then there were allegations that he was using that sort of power to, you know, abuse other kids. And it seemed like there was this pattern where he would become a powerful person in a circle, uh, use his power for ill gains of, you know, trying to get in relationships with people that he had no business attempting to, and then he would jump town if stuff got heavy. And unfortunately, it got too heavy when he was finally... All, all those cases came back to him and bit him in the, the butt. And that and that's one of the biggest things. It's That's why I keep pointing out over and over again. This is, there's this thin, thin line between messed up stuff that actually does occur and stuff that's completely made up. And that's why it's very very important to think critically. And yes, records can be altered. It, police reports can be altered. It does happen. But by and large, these are still effective guidelines in determining whether something is real or not. And one of the le- lessons that we're going to learn today is no matter what, and I'm accused of overthinking a lot, but I'd rather be accused of that than make a horrible screw-up ever again in my life, get drawn into, you know, certain places that I shouldn't be in in the first place. The lesson is, don't ever turn your brain off. So, thinking critically, um, you know, we're going to go down the list here. I'll do the first one, Steve will do the second one, and so on and so forth. Basically, we're missing children. Um, Are we expected to believe that thousands of children disappear and are murdered each year and that no one is noticing? There are a lot of missing kids out there, and there's a lot of... But the problem is, is a lot of these... And we, we didn't talk about all of these cases. I mean, you can look on Wikipedia, look up, you know, satanic ritual abuse, or there's websites about it. There are tons of cases of this, and they all purport, you know, different things. And they all... A lot of them will say that every night they sacrificed a baby, or every night they killed a person. And you have to be logical you know, with something like that, because where where's the enormous mass grave that would inevitably be there? Where are, you know, it's unlikely, you know, because if, if you can find guys that did the Boston bombings in, you know, days, why wouldn't the police or anyone notice this massive 
massive, massive amount of death that's been going on in your town. So, like, in the next one, you know, where are the bodies? Um, that's, that's what I was talking about. You know, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I need to wake up. So, <laughs> basically, where do these rituals take place? Uh, these huge buildings that supposedly have thousands are seemingly hidden. You know, like Doreen Irvine, like, talked about how there was this huge, like, building right in the middle of the city that they would go to every night. You know, do they just have a big sign on it? Church of Satan, let's go in there. It it It's convenient that, you know, if you want to build something up and make it seem like it's bigger than it is, you can come up with this, but where's those buildings? And proven cases, um, National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect, uh, they did a... They surveyed over 12,000 psychologists, social workers, law enforcement officials, and they didn't find any single credible or confirmed allegation of abuse by organized satanic cults. That's pretty shocking, because if you, you know, watched the media then, I mean, you would have thought that this was some kind of rampant, you know, wave coming over the United States, Satanism was taking over and, you know, massacring everyone, and it's... There was literally no cases of it. And why are all the described rituals, hierarchies, leadership so different? Well, yeah, because, like, you know, John Todd, he basically said that they had the Necronomicon, which is a fictitious book from H.P. Lovecraft, so that's funny, first of all. Um, Doreen Irvine didn't go into her, you know, what her system was, but uh, like Todd, he came up with this whole hierarchy of, you know, ranks and stuff, but other people have come up, you know, with these same allegations, and none of them corroborate. So, like, if you have this supposed worldwide cult of, you know, Satanists, and you guys don't, you know, collaborate on who's in charge of it when you tell your stories to people, <laughs> stuff, you know, because, like, well, John Todd said that uh, he was uh, Archduke third in command of the satanic legion here, but it says here that there isn't anything like that. It's one guy. It's You can kind of tell that it's just people with their own stories. And, and it's it's sort of like it's sort of like with various... It, and I'm drawing an analogy here because this is a, a nice guideline to follow as well. Nice as in it can help you determine what's real and what actually is, you know, kind of garbage. If one, you know, it's, you know, one thing to say, oh, well, you don't know what it's like to be in the military and serve in combat, but if you pay attention and and it helps to have empathy towards others, you can tell who has served in combat because they are not as likely to talk about it. Um, Irvine, some stuff may have happened because she doesn't go into detail. Um, and it may have been that uh, they were involved in ways that does not make them such a victim after all. Then again, that's my overthinking coming into play. But there's a if there's a pattern where they don't really talk about it and they're almost afraid to really say anything, that's 
you know, that's a sign that it just might be real. Um, John Todd, he goes into elaborate detail on what he... You can tell they're full of it if they go into elaborate, elaborate details. That's why he had John DeCamp taking forensics experts with him, examining this guy's diary. We're talking about the previous episode, the, right. uh, the Franklin cover-up. And... You know, how, you know, one of the things that he could, you know, surmise from why he probably was not making it up, he had multiple personality disorder. If stuff like that happens to somebody who has that and develops that, they don't have, they don't lie, they just switch to another personality. And that's the end of that. And so he, you know, these the experts came in and they said, um, this this is actually legit. And he's like, whoa. And, you know, you suddenly have a newspaper who attacks him, but still even states that he was one of the most effective state-level officials, you know, as a state senator. So it's kind of weird. But if somebody is not as willing to talk about it, unless something pushes them to talk about it, that's a good sign that, hey, this might actually be legitimate. You, you look at the Church of Scientology, and and you hear you know stories about how certain people high up in certain quote-unquote churches know of alternative Scientology movements, but they are not publicly allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Um, or that... You know, they, they know of abuses, but they're not, they, they're too scared to even say anything. So that's kind of a good guideline on how you can tell. Instead of having like, you know, witches in Salem, witch trial, which many people had their lives ruined. Uh, you list a webpage here, um. Yeah, I was I was looking through, and the question is, you know, people might say, well, what's the harm? What's the harm in letting this stuff happen? Because people, you know, people want to be on the lookout for people, uh, you know, doing bad things to kids, and, you know, you need to keep your eye out. Well, here's the harm. This website has a list of, uh, pe- you know, people that got their lives basically ruined by this scaremongering and witch hunting. You know, I'm not going to go through this whole list. We'll probably put it in the show notes, like... You know, there's a man named Dale Akiki who was age 36 in Spring Valley, California. He spent two and a half years in jail. He was falsely accused of ritual abuse of children during 90-minute Sunday school classes. There was no physical evidence, and many allegations were physically impossible. He was finally acquitted of all and sued, receiving over $2 million. Uh, you've got Peggy Martin Buckley. Peggy was the victim of the McMartin preschool trial that we talked about, in which many innocent people were charged with crimes that never happened. This was due to hysteria and pseudoscientific witness interviews. She lost her job. She was tried twice over seven years for non-existent crimes. Uh, You know, there's a lot of the people that were part of that. Peter Ellis, uh, he spent ten years in prison. He was in Christchurch, New Zealand, Shortly after interest in the U.S. ritual abuse cases spiked in New Zealand, a daycare worker was charged with crimes. As in other cases, there was no corroborating evidence other than child testimony and many irregulars at the tri- irregularities at the trial. And and the thing is, and here, here's a point of irony i i know of I know of one person 
who had worked at Bohemian Grove and actually took hidden pictures and everything else saying, hey, here's all this messed up stuff. Well, guess what happened with them? They were accused of child molestation and everything else and and everything else. And that's kind of a, you know, that's where the scaremongering can lead to, to the point where other people can use it to an unfair advantage as well. And so... <laughs> I figured I'd throw that one out there. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a kind of a point of irony right there. And it's just, you know, people's lives being ruined. That's It's on the same level as believing that, you know, somebody is capable of launching a nuclear war just by wish, whistling into a payphone. <laughs> Things that are just, it's like saying I can walk to Great Britain by going through the Atlantic. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it's, it's a real problem because, you know, like we said, we made a plea in the last episode. We don't want to see that happen at all. We want to see, you know, we want to see this this uh, child abuse go down, you know, possibly disappear. But the problem is, is people want to capitalize on it. You know, people, they might be sick or something, will say, hey, that kid's getting a lot of attention. I'm going to come up with an even more ridiculous story. That way I can get attention. And that's the kind of stuff we need to stop. You know, I think everything should be investigated, and we should say, set aside and say, okay, this obviously happened. You know, we need to do something about this. Because it seems like, in my mind, the stuff that's actually going down, we don't want to, you know, it's usually people that are prominent. We don't want to say, well, Jerry Sandusky was raping all these kids because he's a prominent fixture in our community. But that crazy guy on TV... He saw witches, and, you know, people are way too susceptible to, you know, stuff like that when, you know, the real monster might be hiding right there in their, their backyard. And and I think that's, that's the whole point. It's just that trying to get past the smoke and mirrors and everything else. So, uh, I mean, I... But we definitely have to do a fun episode next time. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to think of something. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, I mean, like, you know, know, last one, you may hear us laughing. And this is not because of, uh, not because we're dismissing or minimizing the seriousness of the topic at hand. But it's because, you know, it's, number one, it's a way of easing tension as well. And two, honestly, if you don't, if you if you can't laugh, you're just gonna go crazy, and it's and it kind of reminds me of those who, you know, don't want to have fun. They want to claim that Sonic the Hedgehog ruined their life, or that anybody who enjoys an occasional alcoholic beverage is a drunk, mm-hmm. or or anything like that. That's ridiculous. And you know, video games aside, I used to be that much of a stiff person regarding that and I realized what what happens when you know you're kind of growing up in a controlled environment in a sense and it's and it's just and and then you realize oh my goodness I never I never really let myself be a kid yeah and that's the big issue growing up and everything else and it's just like you know, you go to school putting on this mask and everything else, and then you see other people doing this in your life, and you're going, "Ooh, they're make, you know different circumstances, but they're making the same mistake I did." So, 
Um, it's yeah. just good to laugh at stuff sometimes. Because if you take everything seriously, where are you going to go, you know? And, and, you know, it's, and it's just, it's a sign of being human. Um, even L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of the Church of Scientology, at one point placed a big emphasis on laughter. And, you know, if he had set everything else aside, you know, if he had not done some of the things that he had done, he, you know, he very well could have wound up helping a lot of people. But he was searching for approval for so long that it just kind of, it, Ugh. Yeah, he's got away from him and everything else, and he was kind of a victim of his of his own issues as well, you know, and everything else. And, then, and yeah, I'm rambling here, but <laughs> but the whole point is, you know, live life like it's your last day of life. Now, I'm not saying do something extreme or crazy, <laughs> but actually enjoy life. Enjoy what you have while you still have it, because there can be a lot worse things that could happen. You could uh, you could go to somebody saying, I'm having problems, I need to talk to somebody, and instead wind up in a mental hospital. A stone's throw away from prospecting Kansas City, and having to convince people, hey, uh, this is not what I was talking about, or or some, some something crazy like that, or something... There's lots worse things that can happen than that, so... Uh, yeah, we might talk about, you know, messed up stuff on here occasionally, but just keep in mind that, you know, it's always good to kind of look back and you know, have fun with it occasionally. And that's why next episode we're going to be doing something really, really fun. That way people can be like, yes. You know, and it's, it'll be well into summer and everything else. And, you know, having a little fun and learning something too while we're at it. So we are on thenextreport.com. All of our links to various social networking sites is on there as well. You, um, you can also find us you know, all over the place. Uh, Stephen Kelly's website, which I did not plug last week, an American view of British science fiction.com. That's his site. Um, his blog, view it, subscribe to it. <laughs> he has all kinds of insight to all kinds of stuff from great Britain and anything you want to plug add, etc. No, I mean, just check those out. We all we both put links up to about everything we want. Um, we're going to be finishing up the second, or is it the? It's the third one. We're going to well the next issue of the magazine. Um, we've got some good stuff in that. I know Thomas has been compiling some articles, and I'm going to actually submit something this time. So um, keep yeah. an eye out for that. Well, by the time you're listening to this, it'll have already been out. But well, that's... use your time machine and yes. go back to when it wasn't out, and then. <laughs> forward to it yes yes there we go <laughs> with the magic of editing this is a week after it was <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um i'm thomas holbrook the second i'm stephen kelly 
entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself, and have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Next Report with your hosts Thomas Holbrook II and Stephen Kelly. Our intro music is from J.T. Bruce. It's called Plunge into Hyperreality, and it's from the album Dreamer's Paradox, available for free at jamendo.com. Any news clips used are utilized under fair use, and please feel free to visit us at thenextreport.com where you can leave feedback and see show notes.